When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Welcome along to the Buddenwood.com podcast. Podcast number 72, we're cracking on with it now. Uh, after the one-man show last week, we now bring you a three-piece band. Let's hope it's a bit more Nirvana than Blink-182 with me, Lee Calvert, the editor of BloodandMud.com. Over there, the regular man on lead guitar is... I'm Josh Gardner of RugbyShirtWatch.com and I'm... I like Blink-182, thank you very much. <laughs> and joining us as a special super guest is... Paul Williams, and I'm a little bit too old to appreciate Pink 182. <laughs> I, was about, I was about 27 when they came out. Yeah, what's my what's my age again? Is all right. Old as well. <laughs> uh, so, so it's a bit of a super group we've got going tonight. But I won't I won't torture this musical analogy even more than I need to. So I'll probably stop now. Uh, you can get in touch with the pod. You can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud. You can get in touch with Josh uh, at Josh Gardner or indeed at Rugby Shirt Watch. And how can people get in touch with you, Paul? Just at thepaulwilliams.com. Yeah, Paul's a proper broadcaster and journalist, so he's probably going to be either horrified or increase the quality of this show by a factor of 10. So we'll see how it goes. I think I'll decrease it by a factor of 20. (laughs) Well, we'll find out, won't we? This pod is available on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and other places you want to put the RSS feed. You can also lead us... Leave us reviews. We've had another review this week, which is a five-star review from Toby B. It's called Helps Me Out in the Gym. Another one that uses it while doing gym work, Josh. Lunatics that do it when they're at the gym. Who listens to podcasts while they're working out? That's just weird. Well, anyway. Thank you, but you're weird. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> he says, I often listen to this podcast in the gym for one reason. When I was growing up, if I got stung by a bee or some sort of minor injury, my mum would often suggest pinching myself as the new pain would distract me from the old one. This is how I use this podcast as the pain of hearing yet another complaint against Haskell or a long-winded rant about some part of the game helps me forget about any pain incurred by my workout. That's a five-star review. You know, all of a sudden, that actually makes sense. It does make that sense now, doesn't it? It does make sense now. Right then, so let's crack on. Lots to talk about uh, this week. We're going to talk about what we learned from the weekend with the Lions later on. We're going to have a bit of a chat about the Canes versus the Lions, which is coming up... Uh, well, it's tomorrow as we're recording, but it's probably probably on right, on right now while you're listening, if you're listening yeah. on your commute. You're probably watching it as we speak in work <laughs> yeah, when you and, shouldn't be. And not listening to us, yeah. And um, <laughs> and we'll, then we'll talk about what changes any of us would make for the test that's coming up on Saturday. And also then we'll talk about how we think the Lions can beat the All Blacks. Good luck with that. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, that should be a short conversation. Before we get into that, there's... <laughs> Before we get into that, there's been a bit of bad news this week, really, with uh, Doddy Weir being uh, diagnosed with yeah. your own disease. We've had lots of contact about this, actually. Are you getting lots of stuff on this on Twitter, Paul, about Doddy Weir? Yeah, there was, actually. And, you know, obviously it's awful when anyone gets a, a serious illness. But, you know, it just seems to hit you sort of tenfold when it's like a hero from your childhood. Mm. And, you know, yeah. when I was growing up, Doddy Weir was one of the, you know, all we had was the Six Nations back then. I didn't have the rugby championship and super rugby and whatever. So the Six Nations was it, and he was a big part of that when I was growing up. So yeah, it's uh, really sad news. Michael Watt got in touch. We do a we do a thing called Player Spotted every week. Or we try to every week where we ask people to send us if you've ever spotted if you spotted a player out and about doing something really really mundane, then we'll uh, we, we want to hear about it. But there's been lots of people sent the uh, Michael Watt sent something about Doddy Weir this week, which wasn't very mundane, but I've let him off because obviously with what's going on, he said bit like you, Paul. As a kid growing up in Edinburgh in the 90s, I played mini-rugby for a local team and it was coached by Jim Calder. As a former Scottish international, he occasionally persuaded ex and current internationals to come along and run a session for us. We pitched up one Sunday to find that Finlay Calder was waiting for us, whistle in hand. He was obviously terrifying. Within two minutes, he sent a couple of back chatty lads to run laps around the pitch for an hour. (laughs) he was a genuinely scary man the session finished and we spotted a human lamppost striding across the field towards us it was of course Doddy Weir Finley Finley Calder made us run around tackle and hit breakdowns till we dropped Doddy spent an hour with us telling jokes and lifting us miles above his head to catch line out throws and Gary Owens (laughs) after the session sorry to interrupt the fantastic thing about guys like Doddy Weir is that they aren't these big sort of protein shaped gym monkeys they are massive, yeah. and their heads are big, and their hands. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Their frames are enormous, freakish human beings. Yeah. yeah, and you see them coming around the corner. Like we used to do a, a bit with Gareth Llewellyn, and he's six foot six and like nineteen stone, but he is that weight, and his bones yeah. are that heavy. Do you know what yeah. I mean? There's, there's, there's nothing on him. Yeah, I always yeah. Goffy's exactly the same. Me and Goff is just oh. he's just a fucking large man, like big skulls. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, I, when I was living in Cardiff. I was coached by John Wakeford for a while. He had a few caps for Wales. He yes. was like that, massive. I've, t- yeah. I've told Josh before. Massive. He was a mo- he was a bicycle policeman. He looked absolutely hilarious because he was like six foot ten on one of those police mountain bikes. I was in round Cardiff when I used to see him. See post up about three foot. Yeah, <laughs> like a flamingo <laughs> on a skateboard. Yeah, but he's a. Uh... Yeah, so anyway, back to the story. After the session, Doddy signed autographs, chatted with starstruck dads and was generally just a really great bloke. 
I wish him all the best fighting this shit of a disease, and I hope he realises the impact he had on one hapless 10-year-old rugby fan. I think that's true for all of us, isn't it? Not, nobody remembers yeah. Doddy Weir with anything other than fondness, do they? No, he's genuinely lovely. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's you're right, Paul, you said. When it's sort of... It's a shit of a disease anyway, obviously, but when it sort of gets somebody... It's the same, it was the same with the whole juice thing, wasn't it? You know, it's like when it gets somebody that close to home, it's just like, fucking hell, it's horrible. Yeah, and that young as well, you know, it's not like he's in his mid-60s, you know. He's no, still... exactly. A young man. Yeah. But uh, uh, Richard O'Hagan, who writes a weekly thing for my uh, website, uh, eBloodandMud.com, he wrote a piece about Doddy Weir because he went to an after-dinner speaking competition that Doddy Weir was in the final of, and it was him, Ben Kane, Austin Healy, and he said Doddy Weir wiped the floor with all of them because he didn't just tell stories about the dressing room. He'd he'd been a a manager in a waste management company, and he told brilliant jokes (laughs) about that, and he (laughs) he told stuff about his life and was really open and stuff, and it just... It just yeah. like just sums the man up, doesn't it? He was just such a yeah. big character and, and a very and he, unassuming. And he wears. Sorry, I've got. I think I'm gonna slow connection, but he wears really cool tartan suits. I don't know whether he ever really met. does. I mean, they're wicked. <laughs> Have I you mean, met you him? You are bro? a man much more qualified to give sartorial opinions than either me <laughs> or Lee. Let's face it, here, Paul. And uh, yeah, they are something. I think I'm sitting. I'm sitting in my underpants as we record this, so just so you know. <laughs> Did you meet him, Paul, in your travels as a journo? Fleetingly, yeah. Just um, you know, the the old hi, how are you? Handshake and um, nearly ripped my arm out like Chewbacca, <laughs> and then off I walked. Yeah. So Doddy, we wish a lot of people have said it's really shit news. He's like this, but again, on the positive side, the reaction of the rugby world, which is what we're all part of, really, in one way or another, is a. Uh, is a massive thing, and I suppose he'll be. T- I hope he'll be taking some heart from that because he is deeply, deeply loved, and we wish him all the best. Right then, let's have a talk about the weekend. What did we learn from the weekend? That can be the Lions game or any other game we want to we want to talk about. Um, yeah. Do you want to well, start, mean, Josh, with one? Well, I mean, the first thing that I learned was that all that talk about the Lions getting the upper hand in the tight five was a little bit premature, <laughs> to say the least. Um, yeah, it's like people always forget. Like when when people talk about that, that Ireland win against New Zealand last year, like people usually forget that the starting locks for the All Blacks that day were what Patrick Tuivasa and Jerome Kaino. Mm. Um, yeah, when people were talking about how the All Blacks were dominated at the collision that day, and the the fact that they were playing absolute dross in the engine engine room is generally forgotten and. When I was watching Brody Retallick and Sam Whitelock absolutely dominate every facet of the game on on Saturday morning, um, yeah, it it does kind of show everyone why they are the two best locks in the world. And like, yeah, if those two had started against the Irish in November, I don't think they'd have won. Uh, that's how influ- uh, influential they always are. And yeah, the Lions got a very very powerful reminder of that on Saturday morning. I think Brody Retallick. If you were to just see his head, you just wouldn't. Or see him in normal clothes, you would not assume he was a devastatingly powerful. He looks like Napo- he looks like Napoleon Dynamite. He, I <laughs> I met him briefly at an All Blacks thing in London before the World Cup, and he's he wears like glasses off the pitch and quite very very unfashionable glasses, <laughs> and so he just looks like he works in IT, but he's just been scaled up a little bit. Like he looks like the most unrugby player of rugby players, but as you like you say, with he's just a giant man. But, Big frame. Yeah, but he's just he's so good. 
and it, I don't, I don't really understand how, because he doesn't look like a rugby player. He doesn't really move like a rugby player. No, that's but it. Is quite it's it is way quite that he links up players. Yeah. His power and yeah, he's just he's got abs the full locker of everything. He's brilliant. Well, what I learned, I I learned not to have much hope. I did that terrible thing where <laughs> remember when we. Well, I don't know what. I mean, I don't normally have hope, but I did that terrible thing in the first three minutes when we nearly scored five minutes, and I thought, mm. "Oh, maybe this is going quite well." And then I remembered. I used to write about cricket, and I remembered that old saying: "Never judge a wicket till both teams have batted on it." And it made me think <laughs> they've not had the ball yet. I'm getting terribly excited, and the All Blacks haven't had the ball yet. So that's what made me learn to not get too carried away. What about you, Paul? Did you learn much from the weekend? Yeah, do you know? And it was based with the forwards, and it wasn't so much that. They overpowered the Lions, which which they did. Some of the intricate passing that the All Blacks forwards are executing now, I haven't seen even them do it before. No. Um, and I did a little piece on it for Rugby World, funny enough, this morning. And it's almost like, you know, the Roman tortoise, that move where they used to put mm. the shields on their head and there's like four <laughs> or five men close yeah. to each other. And underneath is just a pinball. <clears throat> and the ball is just be these little short one-foot passes in the narrow... And I've never seen them do it before. It's unbelievable. No, Kieran it was Reed, almost like... Um, sorry, Kieran Reid like and Bobby Metallic of... and... Oh, God, sorry. <laughs> Go on, no, Paul. No, it's almost like the sort of... The, like, transfer of, of... They've taken the sort of transfer of the ball in a mall thing. And they've almost kind of done that. But And they've sort of taken it to just sort of general broken play. It's, it is quite remarkable. It and, is remarkable. And... I don't know how they're doing it. <laughs> but the thing is, right, I was thinking about this. I played rugby at a shit level. I've mentioned that before, okay? I played down in South <laughs> Wales and I played rugby. And that... I think we're all together on yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we all played rugby at a shit level. That, that, um, that <laughs> pattern of passing they're doing, anybody who's played 13 rugby on a Tuesday to Thursday night training recognises what they were doing. We used to all do that running around in a bunch and shouting short left, short right, short left, short right, running past the ball and carrying it on. And again, the same with Aaron Smith. So it's really quite strange because we're all talking about this um, this thing like it's a revolution in rugby, when actually it's probably the simplest thing you can do. And as you, the point you made, Paul, it's like, you know, there's nothing, it moves you up the field seven metres at a time. And it's this, te- it's this thing, Barcelona in football, when they were very good in Spain, when they were very good, they, they redefined what possession was because they used possession as a defensive tactic in a way. Mm. Because if you can't get the ball, you can't score, can you? And I think it's really strange, this kind of, the way they were doing that tortoise thing, like you said, Paul, and moving up the field seven metres at a time, it's almost like it's an attack, but it's also a brilliant defensive technique as well because you're never getting the ball back off them. Exactly, yeah. but I think, I think the important thing is, right, it's not what they're doing, it's that they've got the players to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we could do it on as the third team on a Thursday <laughs> night when, you, when you haven't got Alwyn Jones wanting to just put your spine somewhere. But, you know, to have guys like Cody Taylor, I mean, that pickup out on oh, the wing, the, the yeah. Welsh centres would have struggled with that, right? John Davis would have struggled to bring that up off his feet. That That's their second choice hooker. Yeah, um, and the and one, the one that a lot of people said was a weak link. Well, I said he was a weak link just, just because his name was spelt with an IE. Then I forgot about Brody <laughs> Metallic. So, you know, I wasn't basing it on anything, really. So, <laughs> But no, you know, there was supposed to be this massive drop-off between Dane Coles and Cody Taylor in terms of 
you Only know, because you assume there must be ability. a massive drop-off between Dane Coles and anybody else, because there shouldn't be a hooker that can do that. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I'm not basing yeah, this on anything other than the be. fact that yeah. nobody else can be like Dane Coles, surely to Christ, because what chance have we got otherwise? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Apparently, yes. <laughs> Picking up that first try, though, I don't. what was Elliot Daly doing? Why was he lined up where he was? That's what I can't understand. I mean, obviously they switched off, didn't they? Because the because it was a penalty. He was I don't understand. Having a mare is what he was doing. I don't know. What, I don't know why yeah. the hell Daly was stood effectively fifteen meters tucked in. It could actually it's been, man for man. It, what, it was on. Yeah, I think the big thing is though, because these guys haven't played together, they don't trust the bloke inside. Right. Yeah. Mm. So I don't suppose you know if he was playing with England, not that he plays on the wing. But, you know, a better example, if it was George, George and also a bad example, he would have done that. <laughs> Alice Cuthbert, the same. Um, right, let's think of... Uh, a winger that is a defensive liability. You know, a, a defensive Luskin. winger. They would, have, they would have known that their centre would come across and, they, you know, therefore they wouldn't have tucked in, they wouldn't have jammed in. But, you know, that's how it is. You know, these Lions tours, hmm. you know, they're with, with each other for a, a fraction of the time that the Blacks have been. I'll tell you what I learned this weekend and I wish other people would learn it, it's not any specific player's fault that we lost. <laughs> it really isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, it just never stops, does so it? So much of that. It just never, yeah, ever no. stops. It, it has been and relentless. It, it, and well, it almost puts you off the whole tour because it, it can it, become a bit septic. I, I haven't been on Twitter for the last couple of days, but I put my, a couple of few thoughts on my, you know, my, um, my column up. Because everyone, you know, everyone from Ireland thinks it's someone from Wales's fault, and vice versa. In just this horrible yeah. little septic trail it, around the yeah. nation, it's horrible. It is very, and it's very easy to get sucked into the thing because yeah, it is. You know, everybody, and it's the thing that kind of really showed last time in 2013 with the bod thing of how poisonous and how unpleasant the lions can get. Yeah. when somebody does something unpopular. I mean, we saw it a little bit last week with with Alan jones getting selected ahead of Itoji. You know, people, you know, the the level of insanity that that inspired from some people was mental. And it's just a bit sad, isn't it? You know, I'll put my hand up and say you can get sucked into it a little bit as well because we've all got our favourites and we've all got players that we we rate and players that we don't rate. Lee certainly knows about players that he doesn't rate. Um, I don't but, know what uh, you mean. I think I know who that player is. <laughs> Everybody knows who that player is, Paul. It's the only he, thing I'm known for in the in the world. That player knows who that player is. That's the funniest thing. But um, yeah, and, but yeah, like you say, it's it's. I think the time for sort of if you if people are insisting on having recriminatory arguments about these things, the time for it is probably after the third test. Like, if you, you know, what, I can under, I can understand criticism of players who don't play particularly well, or even a fringe player who shouldn't have been picked. But people were criticising old Owen Farrell this week, right? He's a European Player of the Year, <laughs> and he had an he had an average game. Okay, yeah. he wasn't awful. He had, a, you know, for him it was like a six out of ten. Mm. Most international outside halves have six out of ten every week. Yeah, and I, a lot I... of them made careers out of it, you know. And then he has one game like it. <laughs> And then he's lambasted. Yeah, I think that particularly with Farrell, I think it was the thing. It was like because we're used to being being so good all the time, 
like you say, a, a bang average six out of ten was, and it was exactly the same with Falato. You know, yeah. Falato didn't have a very good game by his standards. Still put in twenty tackles, mind. I say that's because he was too, he was too busy. He was too busy tackling all those short pop offloads. That's why you never saw him. He yeah, couldn't yeah. actually. He was basically. He was almost. He was almost like like you imagine like certain people tackling rugby league around the ruck, where he's kind of hit three tackles quite quickly yeah. off short passes. Yeah. That's what he was doing for a lot yeah. of the a lot of the game, really. Yeah. And that's also the, that's also I think, particularly on Twitter, the, the lunacy of the criticism, because most <laughs> of the players who get criticised are the ones who struggle behind the struggling pack. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, going to well, be a number, right? So he's going to be picking up a load of crap off the floor. Mm. Your outside half's then going to be having that crap shoveled to him three seconds later, and then by the time the crap gets to the wing, Jesus, yeah, what are you going to you know, Yeah, what are you going to do with it? Because that was a thing. It, the phase play looked absolutely terrible, apart from a couple of flashes. Because mm. your point, Paul, exactly. They're either going backwards. The number of times they were they were just passing left and right to people who were stood still or still trying yeah. to align themselves, basically. Yeah. And that's why you got left, right, standing still, walking, walking, left, right, and then box kick. I mean, it was incredibly depressing to watch, incredibly frustrating. But the fact is, is that that third try that they scored, the, the, the last try for Ioane, it was a perfect summation of how the game was going because actually they made us look maladroit and useless in phase play because they were pressuring us so much. Then they kicked, then we made a mistake, then they scored. That was yeah, it was like a yeah. perfect little vignette of the whole game, really. I mean, and just to balance it, and I know this isn't a very blood and mud way of balancing <laughs> things, but I'm going to with my BBC history. <laughs> uh, but they, you know, there were some good things, weren't there? You know, yeah. I, I thought that I thought that the try the Lions scored that was like one of the genuinely great all uh, you know Lions tries. I thought that was tremendous, an amazing try. And yeah. I think I think I think the other big positive that sort of flew under the radar a little bit. Was the uh, Lions' defensive lineup? Yeah, yeah. And you know, to to keep the All Blacks to a sixty-one percent um, lineup completion, That's remarkable, wasn't it? Yeah, right? eight of thirteen with those locks. And it, I suppose the flip of that is that they scored three tries even without a functioning lineup. <laughs> so well, yeah, and so this and, week, you know, go on, Josh. Yeah, I I, so, I sort of thought about that, and it was like, is it was obviously massively impressive they won the lineup battle, but it's like. Does that matter? Which would they rather win, the line-out battle or the contact area? And I think that's kind of the thing they've got to look to this week. Because obviously, Curious and Omani are fantastic line-out forwards. And they did a fabulous job disrupting it. But, yeah, like, they if you can't physically impose yourself in the contact area and get on top at rug time, you're going to lose, particularly in defence. I mean, God, they were just absolutely having their way with attacking rucks the line speed was so fast like no wonder they we look stretched all the time because they were literally having to pick themselves up and run to the next tackle and the next the next breakdown literally every three or four seconds and nobody can keep that intensity up and it's that's, also you, that... you saw as soon as they put it through the phases you know we looked so stretched and they were just getting yards after yards after yards like you say with Falato having to just constantly tackle these these little roving pods of four or five players that were coming at him constantly. It's, yeah, you can't you can't do that and it's like and win a game. Yeah, it's like pauses. It's like it's not death by a thousand cuts. It's like death by a thousand steps, wasn't it? Because they were just stepping forward relentlessly, mm. relentlessly stepping forward, and it's yeah, 
it's Every you know it's, it's very hard to play the game battle. without the ball and you're not i mean mm. actually forget the all blacks for a minute no team is going to be is going to struggle a team is going to struggle to be any team we had 61% of sorry we had 39% of possessions of their 61% the territory wasn't much better territory was 62 38 and the big one for me and i said this when i did the, when i did the sort of daft prediction one last thursday i expected that we would be tired out through tackling and when you look at it they made 103 tackles we had to make 183 yeah that's a big number. I mean, it's just, I mean, in terms of just pure, just you get up and down off the floor that many times, not one person, obviously, but you know what I mean? They, they literally, <laughs> yeah. they don't have to get up and down off the floor. It sounds like, <laughs> sounds stupid, right? But just yeah. not having to get up and down off the floor that often makes it a better game for you. It means you can be positioned better. You can make decisions well, better. Don't underestimate how hard that gets, because I, I was chatting to a mate of mine who used to work for ESPN yesterday at the cricket, and uh, he was talking about how he had, done while he was ESPN he'd done the Wales um fitness test they have to pass before they go oh yeah off on tour that was devised by um the uh bloke that's now off in the Cleveland Browns whose name completely escapes me who was their uh fitness guru and their thing is basically you do a press up you get up you run a sort of 40 meter dash and then you run back in a figure of eight and do another press up and that doesn't sound very hard, does it? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. You've got to do that for five minutes. Oh. and Yeah, that's a um, ridiculous amount of time. Yeah, and ba- but basically he said that what that does is that the get the press up and the being down on the ground forces the oxygen out of your lungs so that by the time you're basically coming back in the figure of eight, you've got no oxygen left in your body. That and sounds so, like a right laugh. It's, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> apparently, apparently, Best day Lee ever. Yeah. This thing. And apparently, Lee when he was at the thing where my mate did it, he'd blown out of his ass and didn't finish it. But um, hello, Hugh, by the way. Um, and yeah, he said that he spoke to Lee Halfpenny about it. And Lee Halfpenny said the first time he did it, he did it in the five minutes and then spent the next half an hour throwing up. <laughs> and. Oh. Because it's that, and it's it's designed to replicate basically the last ten minutes of a test well, match yeah, would be, where tackling for you're your on life, the deck, yeah, yeah. and then and they make them run a figure of eight because the players forget how to run a figure of eight by the time they've been doing it for a couple of minutes because your <laughs> oh. brain is just gone. It's like that scene and, in Officer and a Gentleman when they've got to sort through cards and recognise him and that bloke loses his mind. Basically, I'm, I'm being exactly too niche with people running. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's it's exactly that. If they're constantly having to tackle, get up off the floor, run, tackle, get up off the floor, run, and do that, you know, mm. Alan Wynne Jones is only on the field for, what forty-two minutes, and he put in thirteen tackles. Falatau put in twenty. Mm. You know, that's fucking mental statistics for individual yeah. players. And, and then you add in what you're tackling. You know, yeah. it's not like you're not playing a bag of angel delight, is it? You know, they're just massive things. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, look at, I mean, I was, I was quite critical of George Crimis mid-game, as you are on Twitter, because you kind of react quickly on Twitter, don't you? And actually, when I've rewatched the game, you know, he made sixteen tackles. You know, and he he called the line out pretty well. He was just, he was, he had a couple of horror turnovers, but he was steady. You know, he wasn't yeah. terrible, which is what I thought he was at the he, time. He but... you know, the, rea- the reality is, nobody was awful. That's probably and true. Nobody yeah. brilliant. And that, you know, as a I know that doesn't make very good player ratings, particularly on Blood and Mud. <laughs> that, 
that's how it was, wasn't it? You know, and the All Blacks are just better, and that's that. Yeah, and that's why Paul will. That's why Paul won't be staying with us for the shit good ratings <laughs> because he can't. He, you know, he can't make his mind up. Exactly. No, I think that's that's very true. I think that you know, I don't think there was any particularly awful performances. I thought some players could have had better games. Farrell, Falatau, Cruis. You know, they weren't brilliant, but it's very easy to look shit when you've got. Kieran Reid and Brodie Jatalik and Bowden Barrett and standing opposite you having some of the better games of their career. You know, I genuinely think Kieran Reid probably had the best game I've ever seen him play on yeah. Saturday. He's up there. Like, mm. certainly given the fact that he's been, hasn't the, played yeah, in, a minute in, the context, in six yeah. weeks. But actually, you can't yeah. have normal expectations of someone who isn't actually human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that. But yeah, you know, it's it's well. Sometimes you just got to put your hand up and go. They are just better, and, and they were. They were they better everywhere, they, apart from the they lineup. Were they were better, better everywhere. Yeah, they were. Um, did we learn anything else on the weekend, Paul? Um, do you mean more sort of selection wise? Or... Anything you want? Um, I, I think, I think what we did learn one important thing, and not purely for the Lions, but also with a tiny bit of a Welsh hat on, is that <laughs> Liam Williams is a fullback. <laughs> um, and I yeah. think a lot of people have known that for quite a long time, particularly back in Wales. And it seems to have taken Gatland, and that, that's why I found this decision so unusual. So I've been calling him to play fullback all last season, mm. and then he wasn't a fullback, and he's a wing who can play fullback, and then he's on the Lions towards a wing, and then all of a sudden the fight, the first test comes up, and he's playing fullback. <laughs> what's the story so with that? that? What, unusual, what's the that story with that? Do you think? Because I, I was. Think about this last week because obviously Gatland and 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 Howley, you know, by extension, his ventriloquist puppet was saying, you know, he's always he's a left wing, he's a left wing, he's a left wing, and then all of a sudden he's not. Is it, in your opinion, I don't expect you to know, but do you think it's because Gatland has gone? Actually, I think I might have been wrong, or do you think it's 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 um, Farrell and other input from other coaches on this tour that have convinced him? It could be a bit of anything. It could be a bit of all those. I mean, I I genuinely think Gatlin panicked a bit before the first test and realised that he had to pick a couple of proper ballers. Right. Mm. So I think realised he had to pick Elliot Daly. And I think he realised he had to pick, um, you know, because John Davis was fantastic. Right? I thought he was mad yeah. in the match for the Lions. Brilliant. And I thought Ben Teo played really well as well. Even though I saw him have some really negative write-ups, which I can't understand. Because he played fantastically. He carried the ball well. He tackled fantastically. And he did what he needed to do in that game. Um, yeah, so, it, you know, it was an unusual game. And I think he panicked a little bit. And with, you know, with John Davis and Ben Teo, with the best will in the world, even though John Davis's uh, distribution has improved immensely since Christmas, uh, particularly under Stephen Jones at the it's start. It's so weird how quickly that's happened after it, it, seven or eight years. Seriously, Josh, right? In about a month. It was yeah. unbelievable. It, the difference between him in the Pro 12 final and him at, for Wales in the Six Nations made no sense to me whatsoever. Like but, a different boy. So I yeah. think, but I think that was the reason he needed to pick. You know, if he'd have picked George North, it might have been a bit more the same. So he yeah. needed to pick. You know, three sort of nimble back three players. So in that sense, you know, Gatlin was. I think it, foolish for not doing it sooner, but brave doing it in the way that he did. And I just hope he continues with it. That's the thing that sort of you worry about because he sort of 
he wasn't exactly effusive in his praise of him at the end of the game. He basically was like mixed bag. <laughs> and, he, so and we order. know that he likes a he likes a fullback that doesn't make a mistake. And yeah. Liam Williams, you're always going to get a little bit of that. You're going to get a lot of good, but you're going to get occasional moments like for the try where he he does something stupid or he, he takes his eye off the ball or he just, yeah, whereas with Halfpenny, you get none of that attacking verve, but you do get, you know, Halfpenny doesn't make many mistakes. And I just think when he when he looks at the thing and thinks, and the film and thinks, we made three mistakes and they scored three tries, I wonder if his, his angels will say, you know, Let's go yeah, back to what we know, Warren. That would not make any logical sense in that the only reason that we scored, because our phase play was terrible, the only reason we actually yes. scored any tries was because of some mercurial talent. And I think that will be the thing that he's weighing up. This, you know, Liam Williams conceded a kickable penalty and was at fault for the, the second try or whatever. But obviously that, that incredible try doesn't happen without him. And he was very dangerous, I thought, all day. So it's, I just, I, I, having, you know, watched Gatland coach teams for the last whatever it is, ten years now. I just think he is so, so conservative, and he's so, he doesn't, he likes his fullback to basically be a bomb diffuser and to be the person that cleans up the mistakes. And I just don't know. After that first game, I just worry that he's going to look at Liam Williams and go. I'm not sure I can trust you at 15, mate, and sticking back on the wing. And it would be a massive shame because mm-hmm. I just think speaking he of, really added something different. Speaking of wingers, how do you think Gillette feel about tying their flag to George North now? <laughs> yeah. Do, they, do you know, it's funny enough, I tweeted the very same thing this afternoon. How, you... how chaotic it is that, you know, you have to pick a brand personality eight weeks before the tour. Well, longer than that. Yeah. By the time you shot the ad. I think that's why they they picked him because obviously they probably asked and Gatland went, yeah, unless his legs hanging off, he's going on tour regardless. We all thought he would play. And they can always sort of hang it on the fact that he was brilliant in 2013 Mm. as sort of the reason for doing it. But yeah, it does look weird that he is, you know, it was weird last week when, you know, all the Sky promo stuff was, you know, led by Warburton because obviously Warburton's been. Mm. available for them to do stuff with for longer than any of the squad players have of course so it's like yeah it's weird when they have to pick these players before the squad's even been announced or before and they hang so much of the promo on it and then it just feels a bit weird when you know all of the lion stuff is to do with warburton and then he's not even starting and whatever or gillette doing all this it's it's weird it's, it's the funny reality of lions tours i guess Back to yeah. what back to what we learned at the weekend. Tell you what I learned that all South African locks go to the same barbers that train the people who <laughs> cut hair in Exeter. That's what I learned. <laughs> Have you seen Eben Etzebeth's hair? I mean, obviously, I'd tell yeah. him if he was here, but it, yeah, it's yeah, absolutely it unspeakable how bad it is. I just get distracted by the sheer size of his biceps to be honest that i generally don't notice the hair i just spend my time thinking how is that physically possible and lou diaga's got I that kind of aggressive and i don't want to have that conversation with him. <laughs> yeah you're a proper journal aren't you so you've got to like keep it on the down low i've got no chance of meeting him so 
The, uh, and uh, Lou Diog is the same. He looks like a kind of aggressive gamer type. Looks like he should have a, a gaming headset on somewhere because he looks yes, a he bit of a mess. Like he spends his evenings sort of playing World of Warcraft or something, doesn't he? It's odd. That's not a character reference, I'm sure. Yeah, massive toddler's <laughs> face, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of which, actually, I learned that French rugby is a proper <laughs> fucking mess again. <laughs> and Bernard Laporte has got a lot of work to do. I mean, seriously. I was thinking, like, you know, you know, like Living with Lions, I really, really, really want to see Living with Cockerels, the documentary. God, how Four hours behind the scenes. I'd pay be. money to see that. You'd have Guy Nove shrugging, players separated into groups and playing touch for 20 minutes before calling it a day and going back inside. Slomani repeatedly walking to and from the bench as his training. <laughs> It'd be great, wouldn't it? Baptiste Saran wearing a succession of chunky knit jumpers and listening to avant-garde electronic music. <laughs> I've got this all day, I tell you. It's it's just so... It's just I don't understand French rugby. It's like... Gino, like Rob Howley talks about rub, rugby chaos. Guy Noves is aiming for a <laughs> yeah. master's Guy Noves says, hold my beer. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's way chaos. ahead. When, when they just, said to him, why have you picked your own uh, dual police on again this week? He went, why not? <laughs> that was his response. <laughs> he is basically a textbook example of somebody who's come to international coaching too late because he's basically got a couple of years until he retires. And like a lot of people that are what, you know, counting down the days until they get their commemorative watch and a uh, nice payoff, he just doesn't give a fuck, does he? <laughs> he's like yeah whatever just run around a bit out there try and defend but I mean if you don't want to defend then don't and Saturday they definitely didn't want oh, to defend did, did you see the game Paul? It was well bad. the top 14 starts tomorrow morning of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after a four day break yeah it, yeah I mean they, they literally so, with that first test, some of them weren't even available because they'd come from the top 14 final. And then, yeah, they're back in pre-season for tomorrow or something. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Know, the, re- the reality is, right, French rugby doesn't need the national team. That's the reality. Yeah. <laughs> sure as hell. I know that's not a very funny thing to say. But that, no, it's that true. Is the reality. It's true. That's no, the reality. They... We need yeah. it, though. Honest to God. <laughs> I got yeah. loads of material. Yeah, they are top value. But every time, every I reckon there's something about the job that makes people mad because perfectly sane people come in the job and go mad. <laughs> there is something about that. Yeah, I mean, Laporte was vaguely sensible before. Yeah, he was there. You know, even I mean, well, Sant Andre wasn't entirely sensible, but he was more sensible than he was. By the he time wasn't. He, he was a club manager. He wasn't he ever thought. Well, he'll probably yeah. settle the ship down a bit. I mean, he's a bit. He's, he can be. He's a bit of a personality, but his his, his decision making as a coach wasn't mad. And he, I mean, Leavermont was just on a different planet altogether. <laughs> he was. I actually thought his team selections were a kind of modern art experiment. They were just so he ridiculous. Was, he was proper mental. I mean, <laughs> he he was, I mean. He was a different level of mental. Was, I always think you should never trust a rugby nation where the scrum halves are taking the goal kicks. I've always maintained <laughs> that. And no it's one will suspicious. ever sweep me any other. It's true. And it does, happen for, it does happen sometimes with other teams, but it's remarkably a lot with France, isn't it? Yeah, it's it just true. It shows that they're a little bit different to everybody else in that exactly. typical Gallic way. And that also applies to the way that they run their rugby side of things, which is mental. 
Well, Bourgeois, I, speak... I mean, t- talking about matters. Well, I mean, yeah. That guy they might get relegated. I don't even know why Morad Bourgeois is in rugby. He seems, he seems to take to hate no it. pleasure from it at all. No, it's so odd. And now they might get relegated because he's refusing to pay two million quid to Puma for breaking their contract <laughs> earlier on their kit in 2011. That says a lot sure, about the modern game, down. doesn't it? Go on, Paul, sorry. I'd love to sit down and have a pint with Mulrad and just say, listen, Mulrad, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you clearly don't like rugby. Go and spend it on someone else. His nice cars, helicopters, there's loads of things you can do. Go and do one of those. He could go full like Elon Musk and build like a world super killer weapon, couldn't he, or something in the desert? Yeah, or something. That seems like more like his thing. going to build some sort of laser on the moon, it is probably Bujalala's. Trained directly at the FFR at all times. <laughs> and, and humour, obviously. Yeah, and humour. And for some reason, Lee Halfpenny, who he just really hates yeah. and enjoys being a massive dickhead too. Well, and let me tell you, right, if you ever want to meet a quiet and nicer, more unassuming bloke, <laughs> right, Lee Halfpenny, if you've got a problem with him... <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. He's like right. the nicest, most unassuming man in rugby. What did he make of Gavin Henson? <laughs> That's a very good point. I think he might actually prefer people. I think he, I mean, let's face it, he pl- he paid Delon Armitage money for like five years, so he must just prefer <laughs> Arsenal. Yeah. The mistake he made was signing a nice lad. Gethin Jenkins is yeah. exactly the same. Gethin's a lovely boy. He only lasted a yeah. year. <laughs> you might hear the word insolvency and think, companies. But insolvency is just another term to describe serious financial problems for anyone. You could be insolvent if you can't pay your bills in full when they're due. You're paying a little off each bill trying to keep creditors at bay. Or you've had calls and letters about missed repayments and threats of repossession. The Insolvency Service of Ireland, or ISI, has four debt solutions to help people with all levels of problem debt, from credit cards to mortgages. For more information, visit backontrack.ie or free text get help to 50015. The ISI. Together, we'll get you back on track. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, other things I learned yes. this week. Are we still um, doing that? Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, so I thought we'd bring us back to not talking about Mad Murad. Um, <laughs> Scotland's depth is still a bit of an issue. I didn't um, see this game, actually. I know lots of people well, did of get up. Did, and was it was on at 3 o'clock in the fucking morning. But, <laughs> yeah, he um, gets up for that, yeah. Yeah, I watched the highlights. And, yeah, don't get me wrong. Fiji's handling and power can make anybody struggle in defence. But missing 30 tackles in a game should not happen at this level. Losing to any team that contains Ben Volavola is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> missing 30 tackles in a game should Ooh, not happen. I'm glad I didn't watch. If I'd have got up and seen that, I'd have had an aneurysm. I think, yeah, you probably would have just gone back to bed and never got up again. Um, also, Gregor Townsend, must, there's a, probably a little bit of Gregor Townsend that just wishes that he'd never decided to pluck Nakawara out of the Fiji Sevens team and turn him into a 
unplayable offloading try scoring Colossus of a 15s lock because he was doing horrible things to <laughs> that Scottish defensive line on Saturday. But I just think, why the fuck did I ever do that? He is unplayable some days, that guy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's unplayable. He's a menace. He, he shouldn't be. Yeah, we're talking about bit, just genuinely large men that are in, unfeasible. He is an unfeasible man. I don't understand it. But well, there's another one of those now with hands like um, that make the rugby ball look like a tech tack. <laughs> and they, that's why they can make those offloads. You yeah, know, they yeah. look, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's like us throwing a tennis ball as opposed to <laughs> you know that vaguely thing. trying to grip onto a rugby ball. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, methinks the Scottish doth get excited too much. <laughs> Is it? I feel for them because they got so excited after beating Australia, and rightly so. And then, yeah. yeah, I mean, losing Finn Russell is going to hurt any team. But, yeah, it was a bit of a shambles, really. Right, then. And I, I, think, the first it, I think they'll still view it as a positive tour, though. And oh, I think that no, was, I think they should, actually. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm being a bit snarky. I think they should, yeah. You win in the Southern Hemisphere, it's always a positive, isn't it? Yeah, massive. You're bound to say that just because you won on Friday morning. <laughs> Yeah, I seem to be the only person that isn't happy about that. <laughs> oh, you do surprise me, Josh. <laughs> That's never happened before. As Dai yes. Lama said on Twitter, who says we can't win in the set in the Southern Hemisphere? <laughs> Just let me have this one for 10 minutes, will you? Very good. Yeah. So, so are you guys are you guys getting up in the morning for um canes? I've got to go to yeah. work. I have a proper job as well. So I've got to actually go in and do a job. I've got to drive to Winsford tomorrow instead of watching that game. That's what my I life's can like. The, you can have it on in the car. I can have it. I can Talk have Sky going. Dreadful. Sky. Oh. <laughs> Talk Sport is just horrible commentary interspersed with adverts about vans and betting and <laughs> tools. It's like they, they know their on. demographic. I feature on that. Do you? <laughs> You swines. <laughs> I'm one of those horrible voices. <laughs> I haven't heard you on there when I've been listening. No, not commentary. I just do the odd. Um, Andrew McKenna phones me for some Welsh roundups now and again. Oh, does he? Oh, that's fine. That's yeah. different. That, no, you were obviously the best thing on there, Paul. Don't worry about that. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I'll try and catch a bit of the first half where I've got to go, but I'll have, I'll have to do the old uh, internet streaming talk sport in the car because I've only got an old Fiat Punto, so I haven't got any digital radio in the car. So, um, yeah, so we're watching that. So what do we think then? I'm finding it hard to get excited at this stage about games like this. It's, it's, the, it's the worst game really isn't it because it's like the test series has started now it's like the phony war is over but oh can we have a little bit just a little bit more of the phony war by the way yeah I've it's, said it, that, it's that... always seems stupid to me to do play this game that like, hurricane's Batman looks a bit it. special though doesn't it see well, I'm I... gonna take I'm gonna take the counter argument here. go for it wait. Paul thank god that you're here <laughs> yeah I can't wait because I am if I'm not, I'm going to move to Wellington one day, just so I can watch, just so I can watch the Hurricanes, so they can be my team. <laughs> they, I mean, that backline is as outside of the tests, maybe, and then only maybe, that's as good a backline as they faced on tour. I'd say they are I'm, absolute box office. I think you. Know, I'm looking forward to seeing Lamar Bay and Asso. Yeah, Asso, the name I 
smile every time I hear that asshole with the ball. <laughs> I know it's juvenile. But I can't help it. 30, 40, 39, 40. But you know, like you say, that back line, I, I, to release Julian Sevilla, I it, think it almost a, feels unfair, doesn't it? Yeah, that's cheating and naughty. Yeah, I mean, yeah they, they have got they have got seventy two year old Corey Jane on the bench though. <laughs> he's still quite tidy though. Yeah, he is. Probably, he is. I mean, he is good. Yeah, I just think it's, it's the midweek team as they are have looked a little bit vulnerable. Like they've been, they've not been brilliant, but they've been all right. But they've had problems against teams that have tried to have played with tempo against them and if there's one thing this hurricanes team is going to do it is play with yeah cuz the chiefs the, the chiefs last week were a, were a shower frankly so you can read anything into that yeah basically. they were shite and the maori weren't very good either but yeah. you look at, at going back to the highlanders game and the blues game you know both of those games the lions have struggled when teams have really tried to up the tempo at them and they've got through the phases very quickly and i just think that backline is you know, it, it obviously it all starts up front, but if they can get any kind of decent ball, I I just think it's going to get pretty ugly, to be honest. Do you think Finn Russell will get on? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Too. You can waste the time him coming, otherwise, isn't it? Yeah. I think they'll all get a little run out before the, before the tour's <laughs> over. I think the only I, I think, think the only position is worth looking at tomorrow is Courtney Laws. Yeah. I think he's, yes. he, he he may have a chance of getting on the bench for Saturday. And the only other one I can think that has got an outside chance there, and it's a really outside chance, is CJ Stander. If Gatlin panics yeah. in the week and thinks, oh, my God, I am going to resort to type. Let's stick some big bully boys on the bench and see yeah, how we he get could go for six, They're the only yeah. ones I can realistically see challenging. Like, and maybe yeah. George I was I was genuinely maybe. terrified of what you were leading up to then. Paul, I'll be honest, because I thought you were going to suggest another name, and I don't have to have started crying. But uh, yeah, so I think if he goes for a six, if he, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. We're moving on to kind of Saturday now. But I, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that he, Gatlin might go for a six-two bench. No, well, I think and Andy Powell, as he often does, I think got it quite right. In the he said that the Lions pack on Saturday was was fine, but they were just a little bit nice. Yeah, and it it did lack a bit of bastard in there. He needed like, Ross I mean, Moriarty, ideally, like you said. Per- Ross Moriarty was needed. Well, Hallow would be his name. <laughs> Ross Moriarty would be perfect for this because oh. he's an absolute fucker. But what a bloodline he's come from! <laughs> oh God, yeah, he comes from a long line of fuckers, and yeah, he could, he unless you were coming from the Moriartys, it's either that or the craze. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you've got you look at the, the what's left of the squad, and there's not a lot of horrible bastards in there. And you no. you think laws? I think it's interesting that Cruis is on the bench because it kind yeah. of feels like he's been sent to the naughty step a little bit there. And I do wonder if if laws has a bit of a stormer if he'll get hauled off after 50 minutes. Exactly. And, and it's all transfer for. <laughs> <laughs> don't rule anything out there's a chance sorry I wasn't listening then what well, did you say <laughs> you can't rest easy can't rest you can't they, <laughs> could, lose, they could lose seven back row forwards this week <laughs> four in the game four in the game three in the game and three in training <laughs> yeah uh, <Nothing> yeah <laughs> 
But um, I'd love... yeah, I, I just, I just, I want like part of me thinks like, is he going to do something mad like start laws at six? Ooh. No, that made that made me shudder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do think there's but something about laws that... getting amongst that pack. I think it would have, as you said, they were a bit too nice. I think having laaws yeah. isn't the think... quite the way he was five years ago. But I do think no. having He's something like laws, yeah. And I, I, and I completely, I know you were sort of pulling the pin on a grenade and running away, <laughs> but I do think that you were right in saying that, like, to be honest with you, yeah, it could very well have done on Saturday with a lock. But a bit like Joe Launchbury. <laughs> maybe a little bit like Joe Launchbury, I don't know. But yeah, he, he could have brought that physicality as well. And, and yeah, they're just... I, d- I don't know how they balance the locks on Saturday. Do they go for Cruis and Atodje? Do they go for Alan Wynn and Atodje? It the seems certain that Atodje is that it, it, in and so is Warburton. That wouldn't surprise would... me. Well, the question I was going to ask I is would... what changes would you make? What Warburton for Peter O'Mahony? Or for O'Brien, do you think? <sighs> that is the question, isn't it? Because I think he'll pick Warburton at six and yeah. then put... And then drop Peter Romani to the beach, to the beach, to the bench, to the beach. <laughs> Jesus. Too much strong, bro. So it's OJ. I mean, it's OJ for Alan Wynn Jones or for Cruis. It's Cruis benching to give something away. I think it'll be OJ and Cruis. Yeah. And I think that would make more Alan sense to me. Yeah. It would, I would probably personally lean towards that, but I wonder if this, this Cruis on the bench thing. If he's just going to yeah. go, let's go super athletic, Alan Wynn and Itadje, and sort of do it that way. Because, yeah, I, I wonder if he's just had a bit of an epiphany of thinking, yeah, we're not going to run over these lads like we've been running over the lads in the warm-up. We need something a little bit more delicate and a little bit more refined than that. And, you know, Alan Wynn didn't have a very good, game by his standards on, on the weekend but you know some of his link up play and some of his passing was still very nice and not a lot of locks do that stuff. Exactly um, and you know as we were talking about Retallick earlier Alwyn Jones is one of the few locks who can do that. Yeah. You know that carry through the middle and then a nice wrap around offload. Nice you know, yeah. Not many not many players do that and he does. No. Yeah and, and I wonder if if as as he sort of showed his hand a little bit in that first game of trying to fight fire with fire with the back line, I wonder if he's going to look at the at the pack and think, well, we tried to outmuscle them, that didn't work, so let's go full Harlem Globetrotters on this and have a pack full of ballers as well. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Harlem Look, Globetrotter. I'm oh. not happy to facilitate your little Welsh fantasy that you two are having. So let's uh, <laughs> let's let's move it forward. So if we were to say how can the Lions beat the All Blacks, what do we think? Uh, what 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 do we what do we need to change from last week? A bit of personnel we've already talked about. What difference would it bring? I think the reality is, and it, it's not something you can change, they've just gotta handle the ball better. They've mm. just got those yeah. chances. You know, that's not a coaching thing. That's the players on the field. And the, and it's a really easy get-out. But I've been saying all tour, and we're shot down for it actually early on um, when I was saying they've got to score four tries and they're not scoring enough tries. And, and some reputable journalists, so I won't mention their names, 
sent me a few things saying cobblers, you can beat them up front and you can beat them with the Northern Hemisphere style. And that's bollocks, frankly. <laughs> you've got to you've got to do both. Um because people forget to, people forget with it with you've the, got to you've got to score three tries, right? To yeah. be competitive. One and two isn't enough. And you know, it's all very well us saying, Oh, what a magical try that was last week. Counts yeah, for nothing. You scored one. Yeah. Plus you're not you gonna know, get it, you're not gonna get three, four magical tries in one game. If you can't get a platform no. and get some phase going, you've got, you've got you can't rely on it. So that's but that's exactly. the thing. You and, can't you know there's nothing saying that you can't beat the all blacks using the set piece forward orientated northern hemisphere game but you've got to turn that into tries not kicks at goal you know whether that's catch and drive whether that's you know set moves off scrums you've got to turn that if you can get any kind of parity or dominance through your forwards you've got to score tries with it you can't just kick your goals going back to another thing another thing i think they could look at in terms of a positional thing and it's not something you tend to see anymore but I don't know why, particularly in normal test teams, you don't see it. But this thing, you know, rolling scrum halves off at 65 minutes, that doesn't give Reese Webb enough time to do no, his Reese no. Webb stuff. No. So, you know, why can't they have, a, not a half each, but why can't they have 50 30? You know, why yeah. can't Reese Webb have a full half an hour when they are softened up instead of having only two or three times to throw that dummy and go? If he can yeah. throw 10 of those, mm. he might go through on three. Yeah. So I think that's another way of looking at it. You know, give Reese Webb a bit more time on the field. You know, love him. Ten minutes. That's not enough. Yeah. Yes. And he showed, I think, on Saturday that he, his style of game, particularly because this is the, about the only time that you're ever going to play the All Blacks where you can honestly say that their bench and our bench, you know, they're they're. They're comparable. Usually, the All Blacks bench is much better than everybody else's. But you know, there is genuine mm. quality coming off the Lions bench, yeah. and you know, they might be they can bring on, you know, eight players, but that's still more than half the team that is you know quite tired after playing sixty, yeah, seventy exactly. minutes of a test match. And yeah, give him the opportunity to make that difference count because he's so dynamic and he's such an arsehole yeah. about it that. And you know, and it's not that's not. I don't even want that to come across as a Welsh thing, right? I don't care if it's Danny Kerr on the bench, yeah, right. Whoever was there from whatever country, that style of scrum half, who just causes chaos and is a bit shorter and you know, shorter limbs, we can get going. Mm. I don't care who it is. They need to be on the field a bit sooner because you know Conor Murray is fantastic. Box kicking is amazing, okay, but you know you need a bit more than that, I think, in the second half. Speaking yeah, as an English need... person, can I just confirm I would be bothered if Danny Kerr was on the bench. <laughs> How did he get there? <laughs> oh, Via Sheffield Wednesday. They let him go because he was too small. <laughs> it's true that. But it's no, it's 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 fascinating that the way that these the Connor Murray web thing is being handled. Because obviously Murray does offer a, a tidy amount of control and you know Certainly, he did sort of keep it competitive for a certain amount of the game through, you know, at least on the scoreboard, even if not in the run of play. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's whether that that really makes a difference I don't understand. at the end of the game. Yeah, I know? don't understand how some any coach, really, but Gatlin, when he sat there, watches that game when it gets around to the 50-55 minute mark and goes, whatever we're doing now with Conor Murray is what we need to keep doing. That's where I, I that's where I think that's where a lot of fans generally get completely frustrated because 
it's very hard to see why do you think that what he's going to keep doing is going to make a difference in this match. That's where I've never quite got my head around. They're these GPS decisions, aren't they? You know, it's when the GPS says yes, off they go, sadly. Yeah, yeah a lot of them. true, yeah. Front row, definitely. Oh, drives me mad. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, they've never been better conditioned. Because it's not like it's... In rugby league, you can get 12 interchanges in because all the front row's job to do is to come on, run balls out for 15 minutes, knacker themselves out, <laughs> driving the ball up, then get off. That's your job. You know, yeah. it's, it's different. Rugby rugby union is different in that it's strength-based, not aerobic-based in many ways. So I'm not sure it's quite... You do get a breather as a forward in rugby union. You do. Mm. I've played both games, again, at a shit level. But <laughs> you do get a breather in union. There are natural breaks in the game, you know, and, you, and it's not... Like you have to go off at 50, 60 minutes as a front row. I just like your point. I don't get it. There's no logic to it. Weirdly, right? One of my big bugbears with front row replacements, if they get so tired after 55 minutes, don't warm them up for so fucking long in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, they warm them up for 45 minutes. Just leave those boys, have a little jog. Yeah. And eat then a, on they go. Eat Seems a sausage get roll, get have them, a bit of a run get round. Them stretched a out, get them flexible, get another 10 <laughs> minutes then, out of them. And give them a, a glass of squash, and then on they go. <laughs> That's a good point. It's a good point. It's amazing. Well, you look at Rob Evans, the 120-minute prop on in the Six Nations. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's not necessarily that he's was knackered. You know, he he managed to get through an entire other half of the game that should never have happened. I struggle so, to remember a lot of games. You'd expect that this fresh front row comes on. And that's it. it switches the the momentum of the scrum completely, or the, and you just don't see it mm. that often, do you? Sometimes you have people in the front row who are having an absolute fecking mare and have to be hoiked off. You have that, <laughs> but that's nothing to do with their fitness, yeah. is it? That's because they're just getting done. No. You don't tend to get that kind of. I'm not sure fresh legs in the front row gives the desired effect. Maybe it stops them going backwards as much. I suppose you'll, it's one of those things you'll never know, will you? Unless you leave the whole front row on for 80 minutes, you'll never know. So, mm. right then. So, predictions then for Saturday. What do we think? I'm going all blacks by 12. I think they'll be better than last week. I think the Lions will improve, but I think the, the all blacks will have improved further. Josh? All blacks by 15, 16 for me. I think the all I blacks... Think it's just... Yeah. I, I'm probably somewhere around that figure. I think... It comes back to that point, Paul, that you've said, and that's what people forget about the Ireland game last year. For all the physical dominance that Ireland brought in that game in Chicago, where they were at them in defence all the time, they still scored, was it four tries in that game? And exactly. They, and they still weren't yeah, clear into the last 15 minutes. It was still touch and go, oh. even with all the dominance. And I think that that's what New Zealand are going to do. And I just, with that midfield, even though Davis, as you said, is playing better, I just, I just don't know how we're going to get four, three, four tries. The first play is not enough. We're not getting enough front football. So, yeah, the Ireland are incredibly clinical that game, and like New Zealand are always going to have that moment, even in that Ireland game. Like New Zealand, regardless of what you do, New Zealand are going to have that ten-minute period where they score, they go mental and score a couple of tries. They did it in that Ireland game where they they came back and they scored that try through. Um, Barrett's hmm. brother, whose name's just escaped Geordie. me. Um, the other Barrett. The, yeah, probably. Yeah. I get confused with all these Barretts. It's just too, <laughs> too many of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, they they had that period where we all thought, oh, fuck, here we go. Mm. 
Yeah, and but they'd scored enough points by that point that they managed to hold on. And that's kind of the only way that the Lions are going to do that. You know, they have to legislate for the fact that there's going to be a period in the game where New Zealand are going to dominate and they're probably going to score, you know, 14, 21 points in very quick succession. And if the Lions haven't got a relative lead of healthy enough, enough to absorb that by then, then they're going to lose. I think they and their heads are going to drop and they're going to get dicked. And, <laughs> you know, that's that's just the reality of playing the All Blacks these days. They're better than everybody else. There's no shame in a scratch team that's been together for a month. Yeah, and I think you said... Losing did, to the All Blacks. You said, I think, was it you on Twitter said, Paul, that if um, if the, this Lions team had toured Australia and South Africa this year, we'd be talking 3-0, wouldn't we? Oh, at least. I minimum. Agree with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. you know, they're there. Nobody else beats them either. You know, <laughs> yeah. never mind a team you put together, together in four weeks. You know. That should be the the next strap line for the Lions tour. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, Nobody else, else beats me. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> else beats them. Why should we? Caveat, caveat, and caveat. Why should they? You know, yeah. the, the Lions should be. You know, when when the Lions played the Maori. That was like arguably the only like level playing field that they've had all tour. It was a scratch team playing another scratch team, and they absolutely battered them. Did you and did you enjoy the game on Saturday? Do you think it was a decent yeah. game of rugby? I thought it was, I thought a, it was very, a very. I yeah. thought it was a fantastic game. I really I did, enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I came away thinking that the Lions. You know, they, it was a seven out of ten performance, but I didn't really see what else they could have done much, far than the odd no. pass going and the odd drop sort of high ball. You know, there weren't any catastrophic passages of play. There weren't any any massive efforts. It was just <laughs> you just weren't good enough. I know it's I don't no. normally like turning it talking in general terms, but they just weren't good enough everywhere yeah. on the field, and that's that. Yeah, sometimes you, know, you just got to accept that one team is better than the other team and the all blacks are a better team than the lions like whether you know there is that not to say that there is no chance that the lions might not somehow miraculously win one of these tests because that's sport and that's why we like it because you never know what's going to happen but realistically yeah there's no way that the lions should be beating the all blacks they are just a better team than they're a better team than anyone they might well be the best team ever and i think it doesn't so, i don't think it matters if they lose it what the only time it will become a major problem is if it becomes humiliating, and there's yeah. nothing that so far that's said that that's 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 going to be the issue. That the Lions have not been humiliated humiliated since 2005, and again I go back to the point. I don't know what team would have been humiliated by that 2005 New Zealand yeah. team with Carter playing yeah. like that because they would any team. Yeah. Imagine if Wales no, had toured or England had toured that summer, it'd have been a fucking yeah. nightmare, you know. So I don't think that's a major. You know, people often worry about the results. It's, it, it's about a competitive. If that, if it was always about the results, none of us would watch our team play in New Zealand ever, <laughs> would we? Yeah, you right. know, so it's you know, and sport isn't just about winning. You know, you can be glorious yeah, in losing fantastic. as well. That's fantastic. I've never heard anyone articulate that actually, like you did. Then. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's like, it, it, but it is exactly that. You know, you watch because the All Blacks are the best there is, and you want to see how your team measures up against them. And we know the All Blacks are better than the Lions. That's not in debate. It was always likely to be 3-0. But 
I was, yeah, I wasn't that disappointed at the end of that game on Saturday. I really wasn't. Like, I thought we tried our best. And <laughs> as my granddad says, that can only do the best. As my granddad says, we've yeah. all got our participation trophies. But <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, we gave it as best, as good a go as we could with a few caveats. And we were found wanting. Oh, well, everybody's been found wanting. It's. It was not a great shock. And yeah, it was a very good game. It was a very compelling game. It was a very intense so, game. It was yeah. what you wanted. And I'm quite looking forward to this Saturday. Result, whatever. We're, they're going to lose. That's fine. Yeah. I'm quite looking forward to the tactical side of it, actually, because how are we going to counteract that thing the All Blacks just did? Or are they going to do something mm. like that short passing tortoise Roman thing, as Paul said? How are we going to counteract that? Will they do something different? Can Gatlin pull anything else out? Hishy would suggest perhaps not. But. It's still going to be interesting to find out. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We'll probably have to leave it there because we've been banging on for quite some time, which, again, is quite <laughs> common. So you being here, Paul, yeah. has not stopped us banging on for quite some time. So uh, <laughs> so, so, welcome to the club. I, I really enjoyed that. That's fantastic. All right, Paul. Well, we'll let you go. and We'll do. We'll finish on the shit good ratings now, but we'll let you get back to your evening. And, and Paul's been swigging a can of Strongbow all the way through this, which I... Which is it's so South boss. Wales, so I don't know what to do with myself. That's the most South Wales <laughs> thing that's ever happened I've on this pod. I've got a crack pipe on my other end. <laughs> All right, Paul. Thanks, mate. See you now. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. 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 And there goes Paul. Thank you very much, Paul. We're still recording. Seamless. Yeah. Seamless. Incredibly seamless. I mean, we've ruined it now, but... <laughs> yeah. Right, so <laughs> let's go on to the shit good ratings then. Um, shit good. Well, first of all, as a, Elaine Jones got in touch on Twitter saying, I can't decide if this is shit or this is good. It's probably both. Mm. But I'm enjoying the irony that the match officials are sponsored by Specsavers. Nobody mentions that much, do they, these days? It was obviously no, a very deliberate, ironic move yes, by Specsavers. it's become sort it? of a thing. Like, because everyone's gone very well, yeah, well done, guys. It's kind of just like... Nobody pays any yeah, attention it's anymore. it's not even they? a thing anymore. You wonder if that's actually working for them as a as a branding thing now, because people don't find it funny or ironic anymore. It's <laughs> well, just kind of. But Elaine's noticed, thing. and we've just mentioned it. So in terms of of, of branding, it's obviously going yes, out I there. Yes, mean, it has. It has worked in that regard. Shall Bollocks. we do? Shall we do good or shit first? Um, let's start with shit. Oh, go because... on. Man. It's always about the shit with you, Josh. But because I feel on. like Paul was was. Yeah, far too sunny side up, wasn't he? Yeah, he was balanced. And... <laughs> positive and gave people credit where it I imagine we'll get lots of comments and reviews saying how wonderful it was to finally have somebody with uh, some positive things to say. Somebody who knows what the fuck they're talking about. Or they might say that poor one who's just ruined that pod with his positivity. (laughs) Yeah, let's go shit. Um, I'm going to start off shit then with Australia because I know they beat Australia 40, uh, beat Italy 40-27 on the weekend, but let's put it another way. A team that has to play at the All Blacks in their next game just conceded 27 points at home to Italy. In front of about 37 people and a dingo. Yeah, and they, had to, they scored two tries in the last five minutes, Australia. So there was when Italy were basically unconscious. So it was 28-27 <laughs> at one point at home against Italy for the Wallabies. Speak, like, I mean, speaking of Italy, like... it's not going well for Conor O'Shea at all, is it? Really, Remember all of our chat about how he organises teams and they won't be as bad now and there'll be something a bit more about them. And apart I mean, from they the... scored twenty seven points against Australia. Yeah, but do you think how bad they were? I'm yeah, but they're they're still not great. 
I'm just saying it just shows you how bad Australia is at the point I'm there trying to make. There are so many curves that we're having to grade on at all times now. It's really, it's really I mean, the only time they looked reasonable was when they had the fantastic super comedy show at Twickenham, of course, which we were there to yes. witness. Oh, what else have we got that's shit? That. I've already mentioned France, but I have to specific... We, well, we both have. But we spe- I specifically have to mention the shit, which was the defence for the first South African try. Oh, it had everything. Hideous positioning, awful decision-making... A passive rampant insanity. It was like it was like a Shakespeare tragedy in that in the end everyone ends up lying on the floor and it's barely believable. It was it was, bas- it was basically one of those dreadful all you can eat buffets <laughs> of terrible, terrible def- all the things you hate basically. Yeah, it just it bounced in between two players. Then they got all the- then they tried to run it sideways out of where it was. Then they launched it over somebody's head and they just picked and the just picked it up and scored. It was and, French and, rugby, by and large, by, going yeah, terribly. They're definitely taking over, yeah. And Gail, <laughs> fick you, man. Oh, every time he looks like he might be what you think he's going to be, he just becomes this totally random, useless thing. He is the literally the most frustrating player because he has got all of the talent in the world and all the physical gifts. He is quick, he is big, he's strong, and he's fucking rubbish all the time <laughs> and then occasionally incredible yeah and it's i oh what have you got a shit um i've got um it's not so much shit as i've discovered what i find so irritating about sean o'brien as an open side flanker okay i find it's taken me very long to work like i've watched <laughs> him for years but like i was watching i was paying weirdly a lot of attention to him on saturday morning and i finally figured it out it's like is his breakdown discipline? Right. He's, uh, he's really strong over the mm. ball. We all know this. He's got fucking arms like Popeye. And, you know, he Low gets... Low centre gravity when he gets big, down there and all that, yeah. Yeah, he gets... He, he, you know, occasionally wins these big turnovers by just basically limping onto the ball in the best possible way. And, you know, he can't be moved. However, I think probably because of that, because he thinks he's got... He backs himself physically. He just goes for everything. Even when it's not on, yeah, he's just that's true. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. He's constantly like, as soon as he gets a flash of a ball, it's like you've got no fucking chance of getting that, mate, and you've thrown yourself into a breakdown. Mm. And Taking like, yourself out again. Number... Yeah. yeah, and like, yeah, there's, there's no chance of getting that turnover or even slowing the ball down. And all it does is, yeah, it just leaves the defensive line one man short. And, you know, that's another reason why Fallis have to make 20 fucking tackles on the weekend, because Sean O'Brien was sat at the bottom of a fucking rough doing nothing for a lot of it. Ah, the um, well Thomas Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> you but can I cover my tackles, but... I'll be stood here. <laughs> but, like, I, I think with him, you know, he's a great player. He's a phenomenal ball carrier. He's, support, like, the, yeah. the, the way he busted a gut to get on the end of... The, to get the scoring pass for, after Liam Williams' break is a testament to what a fabulous athlete he is. Hmm. And, but I just think, just put him at six, and then all he has to do is tackle, which he's very good at, carry the ball, which he's very good at, and if he sees it and he, and he fancies a crack at a ball on the floor, he can have a go. But, yeah, it's just... When you consider... The, the way that New Zealand just got so much quick ball, and then... The second that Warburton came on, even though Warburton wasn't very good, instantly the ruck speed on their side was slowed down dramatically. It did slow Warburton... down a bit. I think the thing, the, the trouble was O'Brien or Warburton, 
a lot of the time, New Zealand weren't taking it into a ruck. Yeah. You know, it was yeah, going... Yeah, no, that's definitely You know, true. so it, it was hard to... And the amount of ball that came through Aaron Smith. Okay. And I know it always comes through a scrum half, but he was just calling everything off him, wasn't he? Yeah. Incredible. It, it, anyway. it was a masterclass. But anyway. yeah, it's, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I've always sort of... You couldn't work it out, enjoyed... and now the penny's dropped. Sean, I've not... Yes, in many ways, I suppose that's good. I've always kind of not enjoyed him as a seven, and I haven't been able to work out why, because it's like, oh, he gets turnovers, he's strong over the ball, blah, blah, blah. It's that. It's discipline and it's decision making. I'm sure everyone will agree with you listening. Oh, I've, I've already <laughs> had some very illuminating discussions on oh, Twitter somebody today said, about some, this. What did somebody say on Twitter today when they said, oh, which Welsh people will Josh want to put in the lines this week? It's not, to be fair, we've all got our bees in our bonnets about things. Yeah. I've never thought that you're a homer with this stuff, crowbar Welsh I people, am, and you've never... <laughs> Apparently, I'm also disrespectful because I don't think that Sean O'Brien is a very good seven, apparently, even though I think he's a very good player. Oh, apparently, I'm just disrespectful. Okay. I once had uh, Ben Foden's brother having a go at me because I said <laughs> that Ben Foden shouldn't play scrum half and should be a fullback. And I got a full torrent of online abuse. Anyway. <laughs> Who was right there? Coming back. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, what was? Oh my God! His name has forgot, escaped me. You yeah. know, remember that rugby ref, the referee, the Kiwi one, that, uh, that we all, Steve Walsh. that we all used to love. Steve Walsh. Yes, I'm pretty sure that uh, in the early days of Twitter, I got into a little set to with um, a relative of Steve Walsh's at one point <laughs> when he was still refereeing. Was it? I said he was. Was it a lady? Was it a beautiful lady? Was it? It was a beautiful lady. No, it was uh, a man who. But it was a beautiful told me man, though. House and he hated my opinions. <laughs> when he's not the first person. To I was going to say that's basically your strapline. I mean, he's not necessarily wrong, to be honest. <laughs> right then, back to shit. Alvaro mm. got in touch on Twitter and said that shit is Steve Hansen and Warren Gatland in the most childish but also desperately boring rivalry since those runner blokes in the eighties. <laughs> I'm assuming you mean Sebco and Steve Ovet, and yes, it is kind of true, isn't it? It's a bit like that. It is tedious. Maybe that's how it? they should it's settle like... it. They should run an 800 metres at the Moscow Olympics to, to settle the argument. Maybe they should. I mean, they should at least just, you know, I think get it's... a paddling pool or something and they can have a fight. It is more, really, about the nature of modern media, isn't it? Because Gatlin basically yeah. kind of goes, well, I thought he died for his leg and that was out of order. And then somebody phones Hansen yeah. up and he goes, oh, well, you know, he's just having a pop at us, isn't he? And then it becomes headline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fireworks is, erupt between coaches. and Yeah, there is 100% that element that, that it was always going to look to be some sort of stoking of bollocks this week. But yeah. at the same time, Gatland and Hansen, both, they've both been around the block for a long <laughs> time. They know exactly what they're doing. Any more shit from you? Uh, yes, moving away from the Lions, uh, Sam Davis. And like, it brings me no pleasure to say this at all, but like these two tests against Samoa and, and Tonga was supposed to be Sam Davis's chance to show that he was ready to unseat Dan Bigger as well as his first choice ten. But he's been not very good at all. Like mm. he's lacked control. His goal kicking's been patchy, and he has suffered from a fair bit of what I like to call the James Hooks. <laughs> I.e. He's been so keen to show that he's the new Barry John or whatever that he forgets to pass the bloody ball and tries to do everything what, himself all the time. One of my Facebook memory things popped up yesterday and it was the mm. anniversary of Ian McGeek and naming the second test in two thousand test team in mm-hmm. 2009. 
and it reminded me that he dropped James Hook from the bench. Yes. <laughs> so James Hook wasn't on the bench for the second test. James yeah, Hook that was think weird. And then Ronan no fucking Gara. It was O'Gara. Instead, and I actually it? put in my yeah, review that, that he well. obviously assumes that the game will be settled enough so that O'Gara can come on and settle it down. <laughs> look what happened there. So I have a very long history going back eight years of fucking terrible predictions, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, so uh, what else have we got this shit off Twitter? The Pen got in touch, uh, the Pen GW, saying shit for him was getting up at half past three in the morning to watch Scotland lose and then falling asleep on the couch pissed at half past seven and missing the Foo Fighters. <laughs> Did you see My, the Foo Fighters, say, Josh? I did see the Foo Fighters. I thought they... Uh, I thought that they, their set was... Not unlike this pod in the rambling nature that it uh, it displayed. <laughs> yes, I thought that the universal praise was uh, slightly overcooked a little bit because I he did just were... do with... And they also played Wheels, which is one of the most bang average songs that has ever been written. I do think when they were actually playing the music, it was fine. There was a, but it was there was a lot of talking and elongating songs for too long, and certain people can do that and get away with it. E.g., Bruce Springsteen, and um, <laughs> whereas. Dave can't because he just kept saying the same thing over and over again, didn't he? Well, and also, there's a time and a place for it, and it isn't headlining the main stage <laughs> at Glastonbury. It's like if you're at your own gig, people yes. have paid for that, that you can do what you want. But yeah. So there you go. However, Radiohead, excellent. I didn't see Radiohead. I saw excellent. Radiohead in 1997 at the wow. Empress Ballroom in Blackpool Winter Gardens. I mean, that was the OK that... Computer Tour. And I, the funny thing was, because it was Blackpool, it was in the Winter Gardens, we had to wait to go into the ballroom bit. So we went into this bar in the Winter Gardens, and there was a bloke in a sparkly jacket on a Bon Tempe organ next door singing, like, <laughs> tie a yellow ribbon. And he was, like, really young, and he was really northern. He was sort of going, welcome to the Winter Gardens tonight, and especially those of you who will be going next door to watch Radiohead. But first, it was, just, it was like Blackpool in a perfect little Basically, picture. Basically, Phoenix Nights meets Radiohead. It was. It was glorious. And that's why that. I fucking love Blackpool, because this stuff exists yeah. side by side. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Any uh, more shit from you? Uh, yes. It's also on the Wales thing, um, the whole Keelan Giles situation is weird. I kind of wish Paul was still here to talk about this, because oh, yeah. Paul's something of a... a, a die-hard Keelan Giles fan, and rightly so. But, like, he has now been in four consecutive Wales squads, including the All Blacks call-up last summer, and he has yet to get a cap. Like, given that he scored 20-odd tries last season, everyone at the Ospreys raves about his professionalism and his work ethic, um, and the fact that he's probably the most talented young winger that Wales have had since Shane... It seems insane to me that he was overlooked in favour of Corey Allen playing on a wing in the 15 on Friday, and he wasn't even in the 23. It's just... Also, the the weirdest thing was that Robin McBride was rightly asked about it, why he hadn't been picked for either of the tests um, after the game. And his answer was, I can't answer that now. That's something else that is. Which just is <laughs> needlessly weird and cryptic. That's something like, else. That is, I love that. Well, what is it then? Like, <laughs> really why awesome. is what is the problem? Like, is it a personality thing? Is it a conditioning thing? Whatever it is, like, he is box office, and Wales desperately need a bit is of it fucking. A Warren won't let office. me pick him thing, even though he's not here. But then, why, if Warren no, won't yeah, let no, him pick him, why did Warren call the... him up to the yeah. New Zealand squad last year? 
bizarre. makes no sense. There is no logical sense behind any of it. And Maybe it will reveal itself it soon. I out yeah. ASAP because he is one player that should not be fucking waiting around for his first international cap. That is for sure. Speaking of Wales uh, and shit, Ben Williams got in touch on Twitter about Wales's new uh, sponsorship deal with Isuzu. First of all, I'm... have a look at the promotional picture for the most seriously super <laughs> Photoshop skills you've ever they've, seen in your life. They've made, the, they've made the best of a very bad situation there, I think. <laughs> yeah, and it still looks very bad. But oh, the, there's that. I mean, there was a yeah, brilliant press are. release with it, which Ben Williams has shared with us here. For example, Isuzu are the pickup professionals whose newly launched Isuzu D-Max pickup is perfectly aligned with the values of Welsh rugby. No, but I, don't, I know they have to do this stuff, but sometimes it, it becomes just serious. such stark yeah. realization, doesn't it, of how utter, how utter nonsense it is. Genuinely, like I will give people a lot of rope with this PR bollocks because <laughs> I understand the job that they have to do. Yeah, of course. However, claiming that a pickup truck is aligned with the valleys of Welsh rugby is does it just... go terribly? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just yeah. so silly and it's they just... like read this stuff back and, and i often think you know i get sent quite literally hundreds of press releases yeah, every indeed. day yeah, in yeah. my job and you know that's music press releases so the level of pretension is <laughs> infinitely higher than the sport but a lot of the time you will read it and think did you fucking read this back to yourself and think that anyone would not think anything other than you're being absurd and ridiculous. And that was kind of this one. It's like, did you really read that back, lads, and think, yeah, that's... Well, they probably didn't do it. It was probably Izuzu's fucking PR department that did it. Yeah, However, it. I am delighted about the Izuzu deal because Izuzu, the logo, is just Izuzu written in fucking white. And as somebody better. that gets very angry about needlessly colourful sponsor logos on sports jerseys. I yes. it has broken my heart over the last eight years that the blue and white Admiral logo has been plastered all over the front that of the Wales shirt. Pretty it ugly, look untidy. It? Yes. Yeah. Let's move like on it. to good, shall we? Let's Good, first thing. That Georgia try versus Argentina. Ooh, lovely that was. Abs- oh actually can I have one more shit before oh, we go move on, on? Because uh, we're sort of a it's a in the same way that Shitwatch is a sort of subcategory of shit. Yes. You, Stuart Barnes Shitwatch oh, of course, has yes. to make a return. <laughs> I'd forgotten. Um, yes. Once again, whenever Stuart Barnes appears on the television, bad things happen. We all know this. <laughs> but uh, you'd be delighted to know that Matt Gitto is the latest professional player to out himself as the Stuart Barnes not a fan club. Yeah. Um, After Billy did and, it and then got, well, got yeah, told off. Ever- Loads of players have. Kane Palmer Newport came out, I think, yesterday saying something similar. Basically, anyone that doesn't have to directly work with him for Sky (laughs) seems to just be like, yeah, none of this, please. Um, I find Greenwood infuriating in that he's got a lot of technical knowledge and I like it. It's all that gurning and fucking chewing the furniture that he does that drives me insane. The chewing the scenery thing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Sky are, by all accounts, going to lose European rugby next season. Well, when I, I was with BT Sport, they told me that on the viewing figures when they both did the European final, that BT Sport absolutely battered Sky in terms of viewing numbers and showed me the numbers as well. 
would not shock me massively. <laughs> no, indeed. Because I, was, I think we said at the time that I'd watched the final originally on BT and then I watched it back on Sky because mm. it was on and I'm weird. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the BT coverage was way better than Sky, primarily because it didn't have Miles Harrison and fucking Stuart Barnes on it. Right, let's finish on good quickly. We've already oh, talked about yes, that. No, actually, the, the, his choice morsel, as we said, we were going to monitor ridiculous things that Stuart Barnes said. Yeah. So I, I got very sidetracked there. Um, was the bit during the game where he claimed in a sort of conspiratorial tap on the nose, <laughs> Maruatoje reputedly very disappointed to be left out. <laughs> as if he was conveying some sort of pr- like precious inside info that he gleaned from his sources. Really? <laughs> a player is disappointed to miss out on the biggest game of his career. The insight. This is what he paid that the big bucks for. That reminds me of when I was uh, following cricket and writing about quick cricket quite a bit. And somebody on, a, on the BBC before a test match said, the BBC understands that the rain will stop at 12.30. It's like as if they had like a source <laughs> that controls the weather. Because normally when you say it, it means you've, you've got a source, you know, we understand yeah. the Prime Minister will resign later today. We understand <laughs> that it will stop raining at 12.30. What? You mean you've read the weather forecast? Is that what you mean? Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, good was that Georgia try. If you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. Oh, it is actually it on the Facebook though, page. It? It's on the Blood and Mud Facebook page. Some beautiful offloading. And they are definitely more than just gigantic hairy men. There's still oh, that as well. Definitely. But they can... Uh, they can... That li- there was a little of the... Like, I think it was the second or third offload that I genuinely didn't see until the guy I noticed the guy had the ball. Porn and offload. That, as we were going last week, that's an offload where you don't even realise it's bloody happened. Somebody did come back last week and say, when we said our criteria for amazing offloads, one of them did say that if you have to watch it in slow motion or rewind it to work out where the ball came from, that's mm. another one that we didn't quite think of. What else have we got that's good? Um, Aaron Smith, Kieran Reid, Brody Vitalik, we've already covered that. Obviously. Uh, Tom Gorman on Twitter said, it's very good, and this is true, that Christian Liliafano is back. On a yes. rugby pitch. I mean, what is it, 10 months after he got diagnosed with leukemia and after a bone marrow transplant and all that? Like, yeah. long way good back man. for him to get to where he was, but wish bloody test. Wish you all the best. Determination. Absolutely great news. Um, equally sort of off field, but just I thought it was quite nice. Um, I thought it was quite nice that Wales donated all their, their kits from the tour to like local Samoan school kids after before they left Samoa. Like, it's like. Only because they can't wear the Admiral stuff anymore. Well, I mean, there is a bit of that. But <laughs> I'm like, I thought, I'm being a shit out. No, it was lovely. It was, yeah, and it was it was kit, it was boots, it was, you know... I mean, like some miserable shits have been saying, oh, what are school kids going to do with adult rugby kit and boots? I'm sure and they'll them, think I'd of say, something. Have you fucking seen that picture of Billy Vunipola when he was 11 years old? <laughs> yes. I'm guessing there'll be more than one <laughs> Islander school kid who could use a pair of size 10 or 11 boots. Absolutely. What else was good? John Langley on Twitter got in touch and said, good for him was the wonderful 90s quality of the TV footage in the Samoa versus Wales game. Oh, it was really bad. <laughs> yeah, not so much high def uh, yeah. as no def at all. As lo-fi, yes. Yeah. Anything else good from you before we finish? Um, I enjoyed the scrums in the Lions test. Um, yes. It, they were just, you know, there wasn't much scrummaging in the game, but like, it was just nice to see two technically solid, sound teams scrummage in a proper way. 
to use the parlance of the day, it was strong and stable. Hey! <laughs> um, yeah, there was no stupid collapses. There was no interminable fucking resets. It was just 16 blokes pushing each other until the ball came out or one of them got pushed off it. It was, yeah, it was great. I have noticed over this past season, there's been very few occasions where I've wanted to moan like fuck about endless collapses of scrums. It's definitely improved, it's definitely isn't it? better, hasn't it? So, and on that note... We will keep it under the hour and a half mark. Well done, us. Wow. And, um, <laughs> speak to you all after the weekend. Thank you very much to Paul. Thank you for all of you for listening. And I'll speak to you all soon. Cheers. Goodbye. Indeed. Take care, everybody. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.